Well, we've been delighted to be able to be here in, in the Brisbane area ever since Tuesday. And this afternoon, we fly back to Melbourne for several days of events there that we'll be doing. And then we fly off to Perth, uh, and we'll wrap up the, the, the trip uh, in Perth for a few days doing some teaching and things. But uh, Marlene and I really, really appreciate Australia, and we've uh, enjoyed very much coming down here. And I've kind of made it a goal in my life to learn to understand rugby. Uh, I've given up on cricket. I, I don't even try anymore. Um, but uh, there was a period of time seven or eight years ago where there was about 10 minutes when I understood cricket. And then I lost it, and I've never been able to get it back again. But, uh, but we're very thankful to be here. Appreciate Pastor Daryl and the pastoral team and the staff and just all the support that Sunny Bank has given us this weekend. We did have a, a, a very, very nice afternoon yesterday in the Scriptures as we looked at the life of Moses. And uh, today we really want to talk a little bit about um, finding rest in Christ. Uh, we live in a fairly fast-paced world, don't we? Uh, things are flying around all the time and stuff is happening all the time. We're constantly bombarded with choices and decisions and information and with life events that can be very, very hard. Someone said that life is like the weather. There are times of high pressure and there are times of low pressure, but there are no times of no pressure. And it feels that way, doesn't it? And life can get to the point where, especially in the darker seasons of life, life can wear us out, it can wear us down, and we just feel like we're running on empty. I think that might have been in the heart of the songwriter when they wrote the old gospel song, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. You ever feel that way? I mean, other than this morning, do you ever feel that way? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like life, doesn't it? That's a very realistic view of life because sometimes all you can say about life is, I'm tired. I'm worn out, and I'm worn down. Because the one thing we need to learn to understand and really kind of embrace the reality of is the fact that life is too big for us. Life is just too big for us. We are not enough for what we face in life. And it's in those moments of not enoughness that Christ comes to us and offers us an invitation and we want to look at that invitation this morning because it's an invitation for us to find rest in Him. And prayer becomes our response to His invitation. If you join me in Matthew chapter 11, we want to unpack just a couple of verses for you this morning on Christ's invitation and His offer of rest for our hearts. In Matthew 11... Verse 28, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But very familiar verses, aren't they? Very familiar verses of Christ's expression to us of the offer of rest. It is His invitation that we find rest in Him. And again, 
when we go to Him in prayer, what we're doing is we're responding to His invitation. We're responding to His call to find in Him what we will never find in ourselves. All of the not-enoughness in us is more than compensated for in the Christ who is thoroughly sufficient for all things. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, For we have no sufficiency in and of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And so Jesus says in that moment, when you realize how insufficient you are, when you realize how weak you are, when you realize how worn out you are, when you realize how inadequate you are, Jesus says, come to me. I'm enough. And I have what you need. And you will find rest for your soul. Now, as we look at these verses, what I would like to suggest to you this morning, and suggest somewhat strongly, is that in these verses... The Lord Jesus Christ, in His invitation, He offers us three gifts. And these three gifts are a part of this offer of rest. The first gift is, quite candidly, very refreshing. It's the gift of honesty. It's the gift of honesty. We've come to church this morning and everybody's all buttoned up and, and, and looking nice and scrubbed up for church and, and we all come with a smile on our face and, and someone comes up at church and shakes your hand and says, good on you. I think I said that right. Uh, all right. And you smile back, good on you, mate. <laughs> and we, we, we've learned how to play that game, haven't we? We've learned how to play that game where we come to church and we look the part and we act the part and we get our smile in place and then we go home and we just crumble under the burden of life. And Jesus says, you don't have to play those games with me. I get it. I get it. Life is hard. As followers of Christ, life is really hard because we find ourselves constantly swimming upstream against the culture. We find ourselves worn out as we live lives that cut against the grain of what's going on around us. And it does wear us out. And it is burdensome. And what Jesus wants us to know is that He understands that. And that's why He says, come to Me, not all of you who've gotten it together and have this thing figured out, he doesn't say, come to me, all of you who have life by the tail with a downhill swing. No, he says, you know who are the ones who need to come to me? The ones who have no place else to turn. <laughs> the ones who are overwhelmed with the burdens of life. Come to me, he says, all who labor and are burdened. <laughs> That's life. Back in um, ancient Greek times, uh, if you've ever read much of Greek mythology, you may have come across the, the mythology of Sisyphus. Does that name ring a bell for any of you? The story of Sisyphus? I, I saw one hand back there. For the rest of you, this will be very interesting, I hope. Uh, otherwise, you're going to lose about a minute and a half of your life that you can never get back. Um, in ancient mythology, there was this character named Sisyphus. And he decided that he wanted to become one of the gods. That he was going to usurp the position of the gods and rise to their level by his own strength. 
And according to this myth, he failed, which was fairly inevitable, I would assume. And because he failed in his attempt to become one of the gods, the gods condemned him to spend all of eternity pushing a boulder up the side of a tall mountain. And every time for all eternity, that boulder gets almost to the top of the mountain, it rolls all the way back to the bottom and he has to start over. For all eternity. (laughs) That's a metaphor for life. Because that's exactly how life feels sometimes. Sometimes it feels like we're pushing that boulder and pushing that boulder. And just about the time we think we're going to get there, it rolls back over us and we have to start over again. And so Jesus says, come to me. I know that life is hard work, labor. I know that life is toilsome, greatly burdened. Come unto me. And the thing that I really love about that is when he says, come unto me, it's a personal invitation. It's not come unto me and I'll staff you out to some other folks who will be able to work with you. He doesn't say, when he says, come to me, counselors are standing by. It's a personal invitation from the personal Christ to bring our burdens and our weariness and our fatigue directly to Him because only in Him do we find what the deepest needs of our hearts cry out for. And so He faces life with us and He faces it honestly and He says, no false faces, no pretended smiles, no artificial joy, You can be honest with me. Bring me your burdens and you will find rest. He gives us the gift of honesty. Secondly, if you'll jump down to verse 30, he also gives us the gift of help. And and, and in verse 30, he talks about two different things. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Two very different ideas. Now when we think of a yoke, and of course you think of a yoke in the context of first century Israel, you're thinking about that big wood thing that you would hook up onto your oxen so you could pull your plow or pull your cart or whatever it would be. That's perfectly well and good. But when we think of that yoke, we generally think of it as a burden. And that's not what it is. It is there to help you manage the burden. Jesus says, I have a resource for you. I have a yoke for you. And it can help you manage your burden because in ancient Israel, when they would yoke oxen, they would yoke them in pairs and they would always yoke an older, more experienced, trained oxen with a young, inexperienced, untrained oxen so that the older oxen could help the younger oxen carry the load. And that's why Jesus says, my yoke... Because He joins us in it to help us manage the burdens, manage the loads, manage the struggles, manage the heartaches, manage the losses of life. But notice what He says about this yoke. Not only is it His yoke, He says, my yoke is easy. Now, I don't know how your translation handles this, but the best translation for the word easy would be to say, my yoke is fits well my yoke fits well now in the first century if you're 
going to get an, a, a yoke for your oxen. You couldn't go down to the, to the hardware store or to the supply store and buy one off the rack. They didn't do it that way. What you would do would be you would take your oxen to the carpenter shop. And oh, by the way, Jesus had a little experience with carpenter shops, didn't He? He grew up in one. You would bring your oxen to the carpenter shop and the carpenter would measure, 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 measure all around the place where that yoke was going to seat on the shoulders of that oxen. And then you'd take your, your oxen back home and the carpenter would work on it and work on it and he would shape it and shape it and shape it and shape it and when it was almost ready, then he would send word to you and you would bring your oxen back and he would trim that yoke so that it would fit that oxen perfectly and none other. When Jesus joins us in the yoke that He has for us, what He wants us to understand is that this is not somebody else's yoke. This is the one we share with Him. And He's designed it perfectly for us, and it fits well. It fits well. There's an ancient legend and sometimes you get these legends about the Bible. You know, it's like if you've ever visited the Bible lands and, and you go to a million different places where something might have happened maybe sometime. And we think kind of that this sort of thing might happen here. Who knows? There are all those kind of things going on. And so there are a lot of legends have grown up and most of them are just kind of silly. But every now and then you come across one where you think, boy, I really hope that one's true. And an ancient legend says that in first century Galilee, the carpenter shop in Nazareth was renowned throughout the Galilee for making the best yokes. Now, can you imagine you're walking down the streets of Nazareth and you come to the, to the baker and the sign says, our bagels are the best. And you come to the tailor shop our garments are made of the finest wool and you come to the little carpenter shop in Nazareth where Jesus grew up and the sign says, our yokes fit well. <laughs> I've often thought, if that legend was true, when Jesus said these words, my yoke fits well, the people in the crowd would have looked at each other and said, yeah, they really do. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. This isn't theoretical. This is practical. This is actual. My yoke fits well. I designed it for you, and I am there to help you manage the load. So come to me. My yoke is easy. And then he says something very odd. He says, my burden is light. Now does that sound odd to you? I mean... If it's a burden, we wouldn't call it light. We'd call it something else. We'd call it a feather. Feathers are light. Burdens, by definition, are heavy, aren't they? And yet Jesus says, my burden is light. <laughs> Let me take the burden that you have. Let me give you a burden that's a light burden. And I've wrestled with this and wrestled with this because it seems so oxymoronic. It seems so counterintuitive to have a light burden. So how could this be a light burden? How could it be? And I've come up with a couple of things, and, and you can roll them around a little bit, and if you come up with something better, good. But I'll just give you what I've come up with is some ways that maybe you could think about the burden being light. What if, 
What if the reason his burden is light is because it's a different burden than the one that religion brings? In first century Israel, you had the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the scribes and all these cats, and they had taken the law and they had parsed it out into all these steps and all these rules and all these responsibilities, and they were putting that on the backs of the people to the point where Jesus said at one point, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you heap heavy burdens on the backs of the people and you won't even lift a finger to lighten their load. Maybe Jesus' load is light because He says to us, mine's not like that. (laughs) Mine's not a heavy burden of empty, performance-oriented religion. It's a life of grace. It's a life of faith. My burden's light. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that one. But the second one I came up with it was really interesting because I'm a child of the 60s. The gray hair probably had already given that away. I grew up in the 60s, and, and I remember the British invasion, uh, the musical British invasion, not the War of 1812. I don't remember that one. But I do remember the British musical invasion. And um, one of the British bands that got imported to the States and had a bunch of hits was a band called the Hollies. And interestingly enough, one of their most popular songs was one that was very un-60s British invasion rock and roll-ish. And it was actually a song that was written based on the logo and the motto of the Boys Town homes in the Midwest United States. Because the logo of the Boys Town homes was of a bigger boy carrying a smaller boy on his back. And so they wrote this song. He says, so on we go. His welfare is my concern. But no burden is He to bear. We'll get there. And I'm strong. Strong enough to carry Him. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. And I wonder... If maybe the reason Jesus says His load is light is because any load is lightened when it's carried in love. Not duty. Not obligation. Love. Love lightens the load. Love takes the sting out of the burden. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. And that makes all the difference. So maybe the load is light because it's not the same as the load of performance-oriented religion. And maybe the load is light because it's a load that's carried in love. But then I thought of one other thing, and it's this. What if the reason the load is light is because it's temporary? I remember hearing a story of a, of a little church out in the country where on a Wednesday night they were having their prayer meeting and they said, before we go to prayer, we want you to stand up and say your favorite Bible verse. And somebody, of course, quoted John 3.16 and somebody else, of course, quoted Psalm 23. And then this old guy gets up. 
And they said, what's your favorite verse? And he said, my favorite verse is, it came to pass. He said, what? It came to pass. What do you mean it came to pass? He said, it didn't came to stay. It came to pass. <laughs> Sometimes the burdens of life can make us feel like this is all there will ever be. But Paul said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be. This is just temporary. And one day we will look back on the darkest moments of our lives. We will look back on the most difficult seasons of life. And we will look back and say, it came to pass. <laughs> it didn't came to stay. It was temporary. You know what's permanent? Heaven. Heaven's permanent. And so the burdens are light. Because we don't have to carry them forever. We just have to carry them for a little while. And then we go to see Him. And in that moment, every tear is dried from our eyes. And there will be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have all passed away. Because they came to pass. He offers us honesty about the realities of life in a broken world. He offers us help as He comes to us and shares with us His yoke and replaces our heavy burden with His light, temporary one. And then in the middle, more than anything else, He gives us the gift of Himself. Verse 29, Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. Learn from Me. And then Jesus does something that He doesn't do anywhere else in the Gospels. And I find that compelling. Because everything Jesus said is really important. But if He only does something one time, then that's really important because that's all we get on that. You know what He does here? This is the only time in the, in the Gospels where Jesus describes Himself. And He could have said, Learn of Me, for I am the holy and powerful Creator. And He would have been absolutely right. Or He could have said, Learn of Me, for I'm the judge of all the earth. And he would have been right. And he could have said, learn of me. For I am the one who brings you into the presence of the Father. And that would have been right. But you know what he says? Learn of me. For I'm gentle. <laughs> I'm gentle. I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. In order for us to get here from Michigan in the states where we live, we traveled for about 40 hours on planes and in airports and all that kind of nonsense. And, and uh, there's something systemically wrong with me that prevents me from being able to sleep on airplanes. Uh, actually, it may have more to do with the way they design those seats. But um, I, I'm working on the theory that every time they have to lose weight in an airplane, they do it by removing padding from the seats. <laughs> but I can't sleep on airplanes. 
And so I'll be on the airplane and I'll doze for a few minutes and I'll doze for a few minutes and I'll doze for a few minutes. But when I wake up, I'm even more tired than I was before because I just can't sleep. I can't get rest. It's almost this superficial thing where you close your eyes and you're just groggy for a little while. And Jesus says, the rest I offer you is not like that. You know what it's like? It's like soul rest. It's like that rest that goes all the way down to the depth of your being and refreshes you and restores you to where you ought to be. He doesn't offer us cosmetic rest. He offers us deep soul rest. And He offers it to us if we come to Him. Because He says, I'm gentle. And when, when I read that, I'm gentle, you know what that says to me? It says to me, you're safe with me. You're safe with me. We live in a dangerous world. But in the midst of a dangerous world, Jesus says, you're safe with me. I'm gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. When Jesus calls us to Himself, and we respond to that invitation in prayer, we have the opportunity to find in Him what we can find nowhere else in the universe. We find true, deep rest. In the early 1900s in the Midwestern United States, there were several epidemics that swept through the Midwest. And uh, one was diphtheria, another was typhoid. And in this one particular town, I think it was the diphtheria epidemic that hit. And if you've ever read about those times, um, when those kind of contagious diseases would move through a community, a house would have to be quarantined. And they were quarantined in their home until the disease had run its course. And if that meant it ran its course and everybody survived it, good. If it meant that it ran its course and everybody died, that's just the price it was. But they had to quarantine people so that it couldn't spread further. And in this one particular Midwestern town, one of the homes that was quarantined was the home of a couple who had two teenage daughters. And as the disease wrought havoc in their health and in their lives and in their home, after a period of time, both of those teenage girls died from the disease. Now the pattern was that if someone died, you would move them out onto the front porch of the house so that people could come, take the bodies away, burn them, so that the disease couldn't spread. Here this grief-stricken mom and dad take their two beautiful daughters, lay them out on the front porch, then they have to go back into their house, quarantined, secluded, alone in their grief, unable even to go to any kind of a funeral service for their girls, isolated with their pain and loss. The father in that household happened to be the brother of the pastor of one of the churches in town. The pastor's name was Cleland McAfee. Cleland and his wife looked upon those girls almost like they were their own daughters. 
And they were grief-stricken and they were heartbroken, but they were also heartbroken for his brother and sister-in-law who were carrying this burden all alone. Late into the night, McAfee prayed for his brother, prayed for his grief, prayed for his hurt. And then when he finished praying, he sat down and wrote the words that became one of the greatest hymns of comfort ever written. And the next morning, he went out on the walk in front of the home of his brother. And he sang words that had never been sung before, but they've been sung millions of times since in times of burden when life is hard. He sang to them, There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee near to the heart of God. Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest near to the heart of God. And we accept that invitation when we pray. Let's do that right now, could we? Heavenly Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Some have come here today having enjoyed one of the greatest weeks of their life. Good things have happened. There have been moments of great joy and celebration. There have been times of fun and enjoyment. There have been times of satisfaction and fulfillment. And Father, we give You thanks today for the bright moments of life that remind us of how good blessings can be. But Father, not all of us have come today in that season of life. Some have silently borne burdens here that they feel are going to break them. Some have brought in pains and griefs that they don't even know how to express in words. But they've come. And they've brought their needs with them. And now, Father, they have heard Your invitation. I pray that in prayer, we would respond. That we would come to You. And that we would find the help we need to manage the burdens of life. And that we would truly find rest for our weary souls. Thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ who is gentle and humble of heart. May we respond to His invitation and find rest in Him. In Jesus' name, Amen.